aunties. I mean, not just because I grew up Catholic or anything like that. It was just like, I kind of went the safe route, I want to say. The safe route of, you know, angels and spirit guides like Jesus and stuff like that. I didn't, I always thought like DTs were like if you were practicing witchcraft. And even then I didn't really even know that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. So to be thrown into it and, you know, Riri had by fate basically, because her DTs had called her onto my stream and said like, you need to talk to her. Like she has gods and goddesses and stuff like that. And she said, yeah. Um, Shemi, I need to talk to you about your spirit guys. You need to start calling them by name. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I never thought I would ever need to call them by name. And when she said spirit guys, I thought she meant like, oh, you know, like Archangel Michael, which does end up being one of my uh, guides that I work with. But mm-hmm. never in my life did I think she was going to say Athena or, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Anubis. When she would start popping out those words, those names i was like um i was like kind of threw me in for a loop but at the same time i thought well there's a reason to this so let's just keep an open mind and that's kind of how the journey started now when you're talking about dark and light in the sense when you're speaking of deities to me deities in a sense Because if you're talking light, light, like angel light, like Jesus light, I feel like DTs are a little bit different. Because whereas angels are very forgiving, like it's it's almost impossible to make an archangel mad. Mm -hmm. But a DT, you can definitely make them mad, right? They can be vengeful, they can be wrathful. But with when you're speaking of DT specifically that you're working with the light and the dark we're talking about what in particular their intention is and what it is that they have to offer you so for example Athena Athena is considered a light goddess right because she works with um, lighter energy she teaches you wisdom she you know she invented the flute and weaving Um, she was a humanitarian but and then when you're talking about someone like lucifer Mm -hmm. his intention is different he's not there to teach you how to knit you know he's there to teach you about your shadow he's there to tell you like hey listen these are your and honestly it it goes even beyond sin it's not just about sin like the the idea of sin is not even i want to say not even he's here now by the way he's (laughs) just likes to show up whenever he wants uh when he's talking about sin it's not even really in his vocabulary it's just that you do stupid shit as a human being and when you do stupid shit you gotta deal with that stupid shit you have to own up to it and the problem is most people don't and i might offend some people here but i am channeling him so i'm just gonna blame lucifer if you don't like what i have to say when you go to church the things that they teach you in church is has nothing to do with owning up to it you're taught that if you cause a sin 
all you gotta do is repent and you go to church and you sit down and you ask for forgiveness and then everything magically disappears and then you go and live your life right and if you do it again you go back and repent lucifer is not like that lucifer is like no you did that now you own up to it now you fix it he puts your shadow directly right in front of you and forces you to deal with it there is no repenting there is just this is your problem now you fix it that is lucifer but he does it in a sometimes in a loving way it just depends on it depends on what part of lucifer you're invoking because he's the light bringer but he's also exactly and be a demon right so i've yeah i've always focused on lucifer as um for knowledge um seeing right. the unseen um and as you as you can kind of tell um it's a big part of what i do <laughs> um <laughs> So I don't want to get people in the chat confused or people watching this on YouTube when it goes up. Um, the sigil of Baphomet, those that know the true history, Baphomet or Pan, the horned one, um, is the farthest thing from Lucifer that you could actually get. Um, the god of the wild hunt, fertility, you know, everything masculine, you know, all, all those types of things. It was kind of adopted by the pseudo-Christians to be the identifying goat head. No pun intended, but every pun intended. Um, of, uh, of Satan and what Satan should be. Um, Lucifer in and of itself, Lucifer means um, bringer of light, right? Um, so Lucifer, for me has always been about knowledge and knowing what's hidden. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to put that out there. You're talking, oh, no, talking, no, about, you, you, you're talking about my boy. So I needed to, <laughs> <laughs> I needed to get, it, get well, my two cents in there. And also, when you think about it, the whole horn god thing was actually came from Carminos, which mm -hmm. actually didn't really have anything to do with Lucifer. Lucifer, completely different, right? He was an angel mm -hmm. that fell from heaven. So they, some of that stuff does get mixed up a little bit. It depends on kind of how I think. I think that kind of depends on how you kind of fall into it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so this is the beautiful thing about this, guys, is depending on who you talk to, you're going to get a different perspective on how to view things. It, not one is right or wrong, it's just different. And I, I think the one thing I'd like people to learn through this experience with us is to be accepting of different views. Not to call out and say, no, you're wrong, but to say, oh, okay, I never thought of it that way. Um, that doesn't mean that you're accepting or adopting it. It just means that you're being understanding of the situation or the thing that that person is talking about. So for me personally, um, I I think you know the, the the Holy Bible, and I know what I'm probably going to piss people off here, is I, I think that you know the Holy Bible is a wonderful story, just like the Three Little Pigs and you know Little Red Riding Hood and you know everything else. You know, and I mean that all of them have, you know, their own kind of moral cognitations to them. Um, I completely denounce and deny, you know, anything to do with the Bible or Jesus or monotheism or the Christian God. Um, and 
there's personal reasons behind that that maybe one day we'll get into, but today is not that day, um, and tomorrow's not looking too good either. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely not going to happen today. But th- that's just how I look at it. I do, however, I do, however, um, feel that Lucifer is is an entity um, that could be treated as a god. I don't necessarily treat him as a god. I guess mm-hmm. I guess I, I guess I would call him like I, I know I'm quoting the Blackcraft cult here in their t shirts, but it's almost like Lucifer or Satan is my spirit animal. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like I don't necessarily look at him as as a god or a deity, though I do think that maybe he does kind of have that power. Um through the power that we give him, um, but I do, like, I, so I don't. I don't look at him as a fallen angel, right? Um, I, I don't. I don't buy into that part of it. But I do believe, like as the name suggests, that it's the bringer of light. Um, so again, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but <laughs> no, <clears throat> no, that's a good point, um, and that's part of how you know what part of him you invoke, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, your intention what part of lucifer do you actually want to invoke in order to work with him because lucifer um is is a trickster as well um like how he if you work with deities um he's similar to quite a few dark deities actually in which when he approaches you i know and i'm speaking from experience now because like you said everybody has a different experience with it but how he approached me was through temptation now when people hear temptation they think uh drugs and sex and stuff like that but in fact that wasn't it at all how he approached me was he used hope and that is part of lucifer's like mo is hope right? He used hope. He used the hope that I experienced. You did a reading for me before where you saw Mm -hmm. that I had gone to hell and back, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was what Lucifer had used is he used the hope that I felt when I had been in those dark moments when I had been to hell. And he said, look at this hope um, and I can give that to you. And he made me feel that I was bonded to him for that reason, because he, it's like, I also radiate that hope, that radiate that hope when you felt like you wanted to give up on everything. I am that Mm -hmm. hope. Almost to the point where I believed, wow, it was you I was feeling all along. And I was so close to just being like, yes, I'll work with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, had it not been for my other DT, specifically Athena, who said, no, hold on a second, like, you need to think this through, you can't just jump into it. That's when I realized after some thought that it was my hope. It was not him specifically. It wasn't his energy that I was sensing. He was using the very feeling, the very experience that I had I, to <laughs> lure me in. And mm-hmm. that is what I mean by temptation. Now, mm-hmm. it might not be specifically hope that he uses when he comes to you. It could be so many different things, right? It's dependent on what you've experienced because Lucifer sees all your shadow. He sees everything that you've gone through. You can't hide anything from him. 
right? So he'll just pick the one that's the most important to you, put it in your face like a piece of cake and say, look, I have a present for you. If you work with me, I will give this to you only for you to realize that you actually had that cake to begin with and he didn't, he's not really giving you anything. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to be careful of when you work with dark gods and goddesses like Lucifer is they will tempt you more than once with your shadow. And if you lose to that challenge, they have control over you. You are giving mm-hmm. them their power because you are weak. And if you are weak, they can and will control you. I'm glad that you I'm glad that you said that. I'm glad that you said weak. Um, because I, I, again, I mean, just like I said in your chat when you were having that conversation before, I mean, I don't necessarily fall into looking at gods or goddesses as dark or light or, and I understand the differential that you're making. I do understand that, but I I still think that it depends on the work that you want you as the practitioner want to have done working with that god or goddess that dictates whether or not the what comes from that god or goddess is dark, not the god or goddess in and of itself. Um, but I also believe that obviously there are ones that when they can take advantage of you, they will take advantage of you. Um, I think the one thing that one of the reasons why I fall greatly into heathenism, um, um, so for those of you that don't know what heathenism is, Asatru or you know the, the Norse gods and goddesses and things like that, um, is the gods are fallible, just like humans. Um, they're they're not perfect. They're not they're not this idea of divine perfection that the Christian or Catholic Church would like to present in front of you. That this is a being that can do no wrong, and that anything that you do is wrong. I mean, honestly, it's you know Christianity and Catholicism is just completely built on guilt and the idea that people will do anything to absolve themselves of their mm-hmm. guilt. Um, anywho, um, so with what Shemi's saying with weakness, I, I cue on that because I do believe that there are people that are weak, that want to do something because they want to feel strength. And when they work with something that they don't fully understand, their weakness is only amplified because they don't know what they're getting themselves into. They don't know how to deal with what's going to be coming of that, right? It's, um, it's one thing I mentioned, um, I think a couple of weeks ago, was uh, gin. And I think, if I remember correctly, a lot of people had no idea what gin was. They're like, what's a gin? Um, and so gin are the basis of a genie. That's where the whole idea of Aladdin and the magic lamp come from. Or the, the, and it's actually pronounced Dijin, right? Um, so it's D apostrophe J I N N, Dijin. Um, and they're evil. They're very powerful demons, and they are completely and utterly evil. And people, I know quite a few people that try to invoke them. <laughs> they try to they try to invoke you know the Dijin. I was like, are you dumb? Like, what is wrong with you? I was like, well, they're gonna make my wishes come true. You don't understand how this works, do you? There's a reason why there's a movie about this shit, right? You know, like, 
you know, you tell them what you want and then like you tell them, hey, I don't know, I want my girlfriend to stay with me, but your girlfriend hates your cat. So the Dijin kills your cat and hangs it from the ceiling. You know, it's 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 you know, it's not exactly what you were looking for. But, you know, that's it it got the job done. Right. Um, You know, your leg hurts. I got I want my I want my leg to stop hurting. You wake up in the morning. You don't have a leg anymore. Um, you know, so it's, it's, you, those are the things that I think that you people have to be careful with because a lot of people try to, um, invoke demons thinking that they're either good or they're gods or things like that. And these are the things that when you invoke them, even for good reasons, bad things happen. And 90, 99% of the time, I'm sure all of you know what a Ouija board is, right? Right. So, you know, the spirit board or you like you get people to talk to you, right? The dead, supposedly. Ninety nine percent of the time you're talking to a jinn. You're not talking to the dead. You know, you guys are Yeah. You guys remember Captain Howdy? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, for those of you that have watched The Exorcist. Um you know, so if you guys know Captain Howdy, that was what Captain Howdy was. A Dijin. Right. They give you, for example, think about the storyline of The Exorcist. Okay, because The Exorcist is based off of a true story. Right. Something that actually happened. So you get this little girl that's lonely, that wants friends. Her mother's a famous actress. You know, she's constantly by herself. They're constantly moving around. You know, her only friends are adults. Right, so she happens to stumble across the spirit board, and the spirit board starts talking to her. Why? Because she's susceptible and she's open and she's willing to make that connection. Captain Howdy makes the connection to the little girl and promises to be a friend. Her one desire and her one wish was to be a friend and have a friend. And. <laughs> The Jin gave it to her in the form of possessing her. Now you'll never be alone. Okay? So if you really think, right, about the details of these things and how these things work, right, that's what you're dealing with. Now, the thing with the Jin is a lot of people like to think of there being some type of god like Hades, for example that has control over the underworld. And though Hades' dominion may be over the underworld, Hades has very little, if any, actual control over what happens in the underworld. Okay? Mm -hmm. The same thing with Lucifer, right? Satan. Um, Though the devil or Satan has dominion, from our understanding, over the underworld, they have very little actual control over the underworld. And the things that come through don't come through through them, but they come through and they prey on your weakness. Right? I know I went on a this is a very long rant here, right? But there, there's it's all you know, up to something though, <laughs> right? But that's so you know that's you know that's kind of like the point right there is that the weakness. If you present weakness when you start dealing with tarot. Tarot's not so bad. Tarot, palm readings mm-hmm. are probably like the easiest thing to kind of get into without having to worry about anything coming through onto the other side, right? Because you're literally grabbing onto the person and feeding off of their direct energy, 
doing a palm reading. So you're not really dealing with God, God is demons, angels, anything, right? It's just the direct energy from that person. Um, face-to-face tarot readings, pretty nonsensical. Honestly, you again, you read off of the energy that that person is giving you. See, one thing that I think a lot of you guys out there that don't do tarot readings or maybe you're just getting started, don't understand, is that for us doing tarot readings, and maybe even people doing the tarot readings don't even fully understand this. But for us to do tarot readings over a distance, like we do, it's almost equally as dangerous as playing with a Ouija board. Because what we have to do is we have to dive headfirst into that pool of energy that is everything, and fish you out, okay? And unfortunately, there are times when it's not you that we fish out. It's something masking as you. And we very quickly have to learn the difference of something that's masking itself and you, the person that we're reading. Because as I've always explained to everybody, I believe in a universal, somewhat similar to like uh, animism, where there is a universal energy that connects all of us together. Um, And through that energy, it's trees and people in the sky and the air and the clouds and like everything. There's energy and everything, and it's constantly moving, constantly changing. The electrical signals in your brain, people, those little synapses firing off, that's your soul. Your soul, I look at the soul as a battery. Your soul is a battery which keeps your body running your conscious mind is your body you die the conscious mind dies you don't your soul doesn't your battery doesn't die you do which is why when we come back we might have flashes of a past life but we don't remember anything because the conscious mind is dead it's gone you know like the soul is a battery right um but when we do readings We are trying to fish out that connection, which, you know, connects me to you. And when we do that, we don't know exactly what we're fishing out, not all the time. Um, And again, it comes down to weakness. If you're weak and you don't know what you're doing, and you're meddling in something that you don't fully understand, you run a higher probability of making mistake. Why do you guys think, for example, when I do readings, I always have a dragon. I have my dragon guardian sitting in front of me. And all mm-hmm. of us as tarot readers, we have something that we have with us that we feel protected by. Like whatever that might be, it could, it could be as simple as a comfy chair, which by the way, Shemi's chair looks really comfy. Um, <laughs> so, but we always have something nearby that makes us feel protected, right? Because we are connecting to things that are outside of us. So, yeah, that was a really long rant. And there's more that I could say about that, but I'm not going to do it. I want, I want to get what you, what you think about And, and that. for me, it's, it's my deities, right? I actually had to do a ritual, a directional ritual, to put each of my guides in a certain place, northwest, east, you know, so that they could protect me. And on top of that, I always have an opening ritual every, um, even right now, 
before I started the stream with you, I did an opening ritual with my DTs. Right, I have the candles put on my altar for Athena. It's like, yeah, gonna get that shit <laughs> like solid, right? Because yeah. as you said, if you're not careful, you, as soon as you open yourself up, you become basically like a lighthouse in the darkness. And when you open yourself up like that, fucking knows who's gonna find you right there's so many different people that's gonna see your light your lighthouse and they're gonna come straight towards it Ooh, it's pretty and it's dark and then there's i see this light so if you're not careful and i and i always said this too because people will always say well like oh tarot is bad or ouija board is bad or this is bad and i always tell them like it doesn't matter what the heck you use you can use a silver spoon and invoke god knows what because it is intention right like it could be a pen it could be your fingernail like just the intention alone is powerful enough because you're opening yourself up i had a friend tell me a story um where it was if you called out the name i'm not going to call out the name because i don't want to invoke it but what you call out the name and you say it three times and he shows up and he haunts you it's supposed to be a game but i was like that is not a game <laughs> like mm -hmm. you are playing with fire and you do it too with the ouija board like and like you said you don't know what you're invoking <clears throat> and i always and this is also goes back to when lucifer tempts you or any because i i know some of the people in chat work with dts or are thinking about working with dts don't just say yes I don't care if you come to me and you tell me, oh, Shemi, do you sense anyone around me? Like, yes, I can sense them because I know the difference, right? I've practiced enough that I know the difference. I can tell the difference between Athena. I can tell the difference between Odin because their energy is different. And it's the same discernment that I use to tell that what Lucifer was doing was tempting me because I could sense that it was not his energy because it was not separate from me. That's mm -hmm. the realization I came to. But for the person who just suddenly wants to work with DTs and you invoke them and you're not doing it properly, especially if it's your first time, you, they could be wearing a mask. You don't know, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the exorcist. They could just tempt you, which goes back to my second point that I wanted to make offerings you were talking about the jinn and how people were just invoking and demanding basically i'm sorry to use that word but you're demanding these mm -hmm. entities to do these things for you without getting giving anything in return it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that they always expect something in return whether it's a deity whether it's a fae whether it's some sort of entity you have to make an offering with that exorcist girl what was her offering her body hmm? her body was the offering i will do exactly what you want me to but you have to give me your body that's an exchange and with anything else whenever you invoke anything you have to expect to give something in return and if you're not careful if you don't 
specifically state what it is you're giving. They'll take what they want. Well, they'll take whatever the fuck they want. So, you know, that's an important thing, too, is why you have to be careful with this. Don't just jump in not realizing what it is that you're doing. Yeah, it's definitely, um, that's definitely a very good point. Um, And you do have to be very specific about what you're offering. And then through your offer, you know, essentially it'll be, you know, a yes or a no. It's -hmm. the same thing that we do when we do spell work. Um, Spell work generally, nine times out of ten, has an offering involved in it. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether it be a plant or a candle that you burn constantly until it's burnt all the way down, fruit, you know, uh, a thousand different things. Um, There are a few spells that I've done that don't really involve um, an offering because it's requesting Right? It's like, help me if you can, if you can, it's cool, right? Um, kind of thing, like especially when it comes to money. Like when I do, um, I, I have a silver, a silver money spell that I do whenever I need money, and it generally works nine times out of ten. But it's, it's a request, right? It, I, I send kind of like out, I send out the message to whoever is listening, and it's kind of like, if you're willing to help, help. <laughs> If you want something, don't come by, right? Because I don't have anything to give you right now. Um, so, and nine times out of ten, it works. Um, so for those of you that don't know, when it comes to love spells and money spells or success spells, um, one of the things that's been kind of like wiped clean from modern text, modern tomes, um, because of its, um, shall we say, being controversial is whether you choose to believe it or not you can do it different ways but nine times out of ten these these spells these rituals are blood rituals right in um like especially when it comes to love um love is nine times out of ten like aphrodite you might not think it but aphrodite wants blood okay um and Hence the heart, right? So generally, like speaking, like, you know, a cow's heart or something like that to to sacrifice a cow's heart in a ritual. Now, here's the thing with a cow's heart, though. Like, you can actually buy those at a butcher shop. Like, you don't have to kill the cow and take it out. You can buy it. But that's beside the point. You can use, you generally, when it comes to love, it requires blood. The red of the blood. Being more pure than blood or love. Because love goes through the veins, right? It's something that you just know. Um, Money is much the same way. Um, Money, success, generally requires personal sacrifice, right? Something that you're willing to give of yourself, right? Something that is meaning to you. Which is why, like, when people start to get into spell work, you know, I tell them, careful, because going into... Going into this stuff, the books don't tell you these things, okay? Like the modern books, like by any book, they're not going to tell you these things. These are, these are generally, these are, this, this stuff comes from folk witches like my mom. Like we're talking like generations and generations of witches where this has just come straight down the line, okay? Like my grandmother keeps cow tongues in the freezer or shut up rituals for people she doesn't like right she finds somebody she doesn't like 
and she literally pulls a cow tongue out and uses it, you know, in a ritual to shut the person up. And it's, as a kid, that's kind of creepy, right? <laughs> like the first time she took out a cow tongue and then cut it open in the middle and stuck somebody's name in it and then sewed it up and buried it in the backyard. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? <laughs> um, so traditional witchcraft isn't bright and bubbly like most people want you to think it is it requires sacrifice you when you do true witchcraft things will happen things will happen you will force the wave through the universe to manipulate the world around you and what you want will come to pass if your focus is true and the ritual is right but don't think that you're going to get something for nothing because burying a flower into the earth be as a sacrifice the earth's going to tell you bitch that <laughs> was mine to begin with okay don't try to give me something that was mine already as a sacrifice give me something that's not mine give me something that's yours okay understand the powers that you're dealing with and respect them because i see people like these these neo kind of i don't like saying it but neo witches right that are constantly doing spells here and spells there and spells here and spells there and it's like you understand why none of those are working right <laughs> Um, because you're doing it all wrong. And then the moment you start mentioning cow hearts and cow tongues and, you know, sheep hearts, um, things like that, uh, livers, you know, mm -hmm. that's when they, everybody kind of freaks out. It's like, what are you talking about? No, like I'm, I'm vegan. I'm vegetarian. It's like, then you're not like, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> They're but, not. <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, the, the gods aren't, you know, the deities aren't. Um, so, you might want to reevaluate what you're doing and how you're doing it. Like, I, I don't want to scare anybody off, but like, I, I'm, I'm so tired of people not actually saying the truth about what a lot of us do, you know, or what a lot of has to be done. They're so sugarcoated. Like, it's, it's, it's hopped up to be this neo hippie, bubbly, everybody loves everybody religion. And it's like, yes, we help people. Yes, we do. Like, a, a lot of witches, most witches, are really focused on helping people. And by the way, yes, I'm a witch. And anybody that sits there and tells me I'm a warlock, I'm going to smack you. Um, <laughs> okay. So the thing is, is, you know, when it, when it comes to these things, it, it's just we, we try to help people with what we do and how we kind of go about things. But people don't, a lot of people don't understand what really goes into it that really makes things happen. It's not, it's, it's not a happy place. I mean, it, it is a happy place. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like it's like we're doing like black mass all the time, right? Which is also kind of a happy place. I've been to one. It wasn't that bad. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's a lot. It's what people would consider darker. I don't consider it darker. I consider it tradition. But a lot of people don't understand what actually goes into it. And I think people need somebody to actually tell them, hey, guys, 
there's a lot more to this that you're not seeing. Stop buying books off of Amazon and actually find somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. So, And that goes to a very important point, which is about consequence, right? Everything that you do has a consequence. And so to whatever degree that you're asking of, you have to give an equal value, basically, right? It's like you were saying with the flower, like, why would you, if you're asking Cornudos uh, to give you something, why would you give him a flower? Like, he already owns, he's basically of the earth. So, it's, now. Um, can I, I say now, something real quick so mm-hmm. I can answer Doc in the chat? So Doc mm-hmm. asks, as funny as that just was, I'm very curious what the distinction between witch and warlock means to you. A warlock is derived from the word that means oath breaker. Okay, look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, a warlock is an oath breaker, somebody that you can't trust. And that's where warlock is derived from. There's a very distinct difference between witch and warlock. Oh, so, that's I'm sorry. interesting. Go ahead. That's interesting. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> Oh, yeah. With deities, like every deity is different. So, you know, they're going to request a lot of different things. And again, I can only speak from my experience with working with my deities. I just started on spell work, but my spell work is different. You know, I'm not casting spells. Um, like the the spells that I cast are very specific to the work that I do with the DT. So most of it is like protection spells and banishment spells. Now, one of the things, and this is me, is I have to learn, uh, like with Odin and Athena specifically, I'm being required not to learn so much from books, but just use it as a reference point. So the banishment spell that I actually did, interestingly, the, the protection ritual that I was given to me was customized specifically for me. And the banishment um, spell that I do was, I can't talk about it too much, uh, you know, not letting me, but I, it's, uh, it's specifically to me. So like what I'm doing now, what I'm learning is I have to go off of me specifically. So I trust my intuition and I trust what my deities tell me to do things. And that's part of the learning process, right? And it's like you said, like, I think books can be great to give you a foundation of what that may look like. But I'm someone that I kind of have to learn from doing. So I have to do it in order to really understand it. And sometimes that does mean, and the scary part is sometimes you you have to um, make mistakes, right? Hopefully the mistakes aren't that bad. But they do help you learn, similar to that. Funny that you mentioned uh, blood ritual because Ishel, when I um, realized I had to start protecting myself in other ways, um, she actually came to me. She's like, oh, I'll protect you. Just give me your blood. <laughs> and I was like, let's not go there yet. <laughs> let's, you know, mm-hmm. but that makes sense for someone like Ishel because Ishel is a Mayan goddess. And if you remember, you know, if you ever recall anything from the Mayans, they love their sacrifice. They mm-hmm. love their killing their goats, right? So for her, it's common. Like, it's almost, I kind of want to argue mandatory if you want to ask her for something, right? She's she's going to expect blood because that's the standard. Whereas for someone like Athena or Athena, 
she is sort of like, I mean, I guess if you want, <laughs> but there's other ways because her standards mm -hmm. are different, mm -hmm. right? And so that's part of like, you have to kind of do your research. I personally would, if you're new like me, I would kind of leave that blood stuff last or some ask someone with experience on that before you start getting into that you know and that's sort of like the funny thing where people discovered witchcraft and like let's go dig into like the dark stuff right away and it's like mm -hmm. you gotta be and I careful think, and i think that's where kind of like part of that distinction comes in right it's like i i can i can easily understand why people would draw the line in the sand and say this one's dark this one's light, right? Or like the white magic and black magic. First and foremost, for those that don't know, um, the term black magic actually comes from a really racist place in history, um, just so you're aware. Um, so try not to entertain that term very often. Um, look it up. Just that's what I'm going to tell you. Look it up. Like it'll stick with you much, much more if you find it for yourself. Okay, I wasn't aware until maybe about a year and a half ago that the term black magic actually comes from a very racist point in history hmm. um, to where it was kind of created. Um, and it was more along the lines of voodoo and the whole idea that it was people of color that only practiced voodoo and that it was black magic, right? Like, hmm. so um, yeah, I ended up telling you anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, again, it comes from the tension of the practitioner right so when people look at using goat or cow hearts or tongues or just any type of body part from anything they automatically think dark right because you're dealing with blood you're dealing with something physical something that was a part of a living creature so you automatically think dark but there's really good things that you can do with that right so for example um, I'm not going to lie. Um, my son was being bullied in school. I have a six-year-old son, right? He was being bullied in school because we live in Mexico and, um, you know, he's the lightest skinned kid in his class and people were making fun of him for it. Um, and, you know, I, it, it broke my heart to see him coming home, you know, crying and things like that, you know, because of, you know, he, because he looks different. And, you know, here in Mexico, he looks different. You know, he's the different one. He's, he's the one that stands out. And I used the cow tongue ritual that my grandmother taught me. And guess what? It stopped. The bullying stopped. Like, kids actually started talking to him, right? Yeah. Hanging out with him, playing games with him, you know? And things got a lot better. And we're talking, like, from when I did it to the next day. Right? We're not talking like, you know, it took a week, two weeks, anything. No, it took, like, it was, I did the ritual. The next day, everything, everything was good. Mm -hmm. um, so you do, can do good things with, with these types of rituals. It's, again, as I always, you know, the tongue, the tongue was the price. <laughs> That was the price. That was what that was what the ritual was paid with. It was paid with a tongue. Um yeah, just the tongue. That was it. That's like that's the basis of the ritual. And you know, the thing is, is the distinction is drawn by the practitioner, not so much the 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 deity that you're working with. 
Now you are hundred like Shemi is a hundred percent correct that each god, each deity, god, goddess, whatever, um, has different standards. They ask for different things. Some may not ask for blood. Some may not require, you know, um, uh, any type of blood or anything like that, you know, for you to, you know, work with them. Um, mm -hmm. Others do. But what you do with the god or goddess that you're working with is what makes it good or bad. Your intentions. Now, are there gods that will, out of their fallibility, try to take advantage of you, such as Lucifer? Yes. Like I said, Lucifer is my spirit animal. He sits down at my ankle. He's not on my shoulder. You know? And I make sure of that. Yes, I work with Lucifer. Why? Because I want to know people's shadow. I want to know what people are hiding from me. Okay? I want to know what's inside of you. I want to know what you're hiding from the rest of the world and whether or not that that's a threat to me, right? And now don't get all spooky, like, oh, he's scary. Like, I'm, you know, I'd like to think I'm probably one of the nicest people you're probably going to meet. Um, I'd give you the shirt off my back. But I've been hurt a lot in my life by people very close to me, by people that um, I trusted. And through myself, who I am, and the gods and goddesses that I work with, I want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. So that's why I work with the deities that I work with, which I guess Jemmy and many of you would call dark gods. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty, pretty much exclusively the ones that I work with. Um, so yeah, there you go. I want to answer explicit cupcakes question. Okay. Which is how do you know if a DT wants to help or work with you? Okay. Um, that's not like a that's not really like a black or white answer. It's more of like, uh, you know, if if a goddess or god wants to work with you, they will be there, um, and they will offer their hand to you. Some most of the time, people don't even know. You know, I've had people in chat. And I kind of know it's like, oh, there's an energy around you. I sense Hecate, I sense Artemis, and have you ever thought about working with them? And even then, even if you, if even if someone like me senses that there is a DT that wants to work with you, it's not like suddenly set in stone. You still have to do the ritual of accepting them or accepting their offer. And I always say that with caution, like, again, do your research before you accept, right? Um, because the energy I'm feeling may very well be the DT that I'm feeling around you, but when you're sensing them, it may not be the case, right? Someone could interfere. And now, if you want to work with a DT, there's, I mean, Malice invokes DTs quite often when he does his tarot. I, <clears throat> I gotten you to invoke Athena, I gotten you to invoke Berlin, which evidently ended up invoking Morrigan. <laughs> Uh, she's cool. We're cool. But, you know, um, if you, you don't have to like wait for a DT to work with you. But again, this goes back to the offering, um, an intention. Uh, uh, not every DT will want to work with you. Not every Fae will want to work with you. Not every entity will have the best intentions for you. And you always have to consider the offering, right? 
if you, like Mala said, if you go to, let's say, Athena, you said, oh, if you want to, I would like your guidance, right? Um, if you go to Aphrodite, like, if you want to, I would offer this. But if they give it to you, you have to make an offering. It's not like you just, it's not for free. Like, that's one thing that you guys need to understand. With, even with DTs, they expect something. Um, mm -hmm. Now, for for me, now I'm doing a lot more offerings and stuff like that. But when I'm working with my shadow, like, let's say if you're working with Lucifer directly, purely to for self-development, um, he's going to expect you to deliver. If you say, Lucifer, I want you to help me work on my shadow so I can become a better person. He's going to expect you to deliver. If he puts shadow in front of you and he sees you running away from it, if he sees you trying to ignore it or brush it aside, you're not delivering and that's going to be a problem. And again, you know, they can get mad. <laughs> I, growing up as someone who had Christian or uh, Catholic parents, I have to tell you, working with DTs is so much more demanding. Um, it's so much more demanding because they do have a standard. Um, so if I make a mistake, they'll tell me right then and there. I'm not going to wait till Sunday and ask, you know, a priest. Whereas, you know, you have a nice little buffer between God and you, which is the priest or the church or whatever. When you work with deities, you're working directly with them. They will tell it straight to your face that you're, you're, you know, making a mistake or doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would definitely suggest for people starting out, for people beginning in this, the only deity that I suggest that you work with, which I, in my personal opinion is the easiest to work with, would be Gaia. Um, Ga Gaia is the Earth Mother. Um, the another name would be, for example, the Triple Goddess. Um, similar, sometimes different, but it's the easiest one to work with. Generally speaking, Gaia Gaia offerings aren't extreme offerings that you have to make. Um, and to answer your question on godly faith, um, to the uh, the offering, why would a God want earthly things? It's not that a God wants earthly things. A God wants to see what you're willing to sacrifice to get what you want. What are you willing to give them to work with them? What, what, what inside of you, how deep are you willing to go inside of yourself to get what you want? This is why in older cultures, um, I, I would never ever condone this, but in some older cultures, where do you think the story came from with, uh, I think it was Thumbelina. Was it Thumbelina? No. The one with the spindle, she pricked her finger, she fell asleep, something like Beauty. that. No, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty? Sleeping Beauty. No, it wasn't that one. It was another one with a spinning wheel, and uh, a gnome came to her and said, I want your firstborn child, right? I'll do oh. this for you, but I want your firstborn child. I forgot I forgot the name of it. Rumpelstiltskin, thank you. Um, that came from the whole idea of in older cultures, some people, depending on how deep they wanted their magic to go, would actually sacrifice their firstborn children in order to obtain what they wanted. That they would specifically have a child to sacrifice the child um, to obtain what they wanted. Because the whole idea is, what does the sacrifice mean to you? 
okay? Right? How deep are you willing to go inside of yourself to give to me so I can give to you? How deep is our connection? Right? Um, and the God is asking you, your deity is asking you to prove to them how deep are you willing to go with me? How far are you willing to go with me? I'll give you what you want, but how far are you willing to go? And most of the time, what we give, whether how small or how large, is enough. Um, but as I've said before, God, the deities are fallible. They're not, they're not this idealistic perfection where they do no wrong, right? They're, they, they're free of sin. It has nothing to do with that. Um, it has to deal with, you know, how much you're willing to give them. And that's where they draw their power from, the power that you give them, the power that we all give them. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the deities have gotten a lot more powerful recently in the last five or ten years than they have been in the last 50, 60. Mm. And that's because there's a lot more people doing a lot more with them. The more that you give, the more power they obtain. Because you are sacrificing not just an object, but a part of yourself to give to them. Remember, your soul is a battery, right? talked about this soul isn't your identity your identity is your body and your brain but your soul is the energy that you know that energy doesn't die it changes form that's the soul the soul is the battery so every time that you do a ritual every time you give a sacrifice you're giving a part of yourself it's however small or however large that's where that power and that's where that energy goes right so a lot of these things have been changed, covered, manipulated, only because, well, the people that knew it figured that people, the people that they wanted to believe in this stuff wouldn't be able to stomach or digest the truth behind it. Your power isn't immortal. You don't have an unlimited amount of spells. So don't be doing spells every day. <laughs> Hey, you can, do, you can do tarot, you can do stuff like that all the time, but don't be doing spells or invocations all the time because that, you have a limit on how much you can give. Right? Yeah. Your, your, your power isn't eternal. And that's where that comes from. The gods know that your power isn't eternal. How much of it are you willing to give to them? That's what the sacrifice represents. How much you're willing to give them. Me giving a cow tongue says, I'm not willing to give you that much, but here's a little bit. Because the mm -hmm. tongue's not mine, right? I'm not going to give you my tongue, right? I'm not going to give you the kid's tongue, but I'll give you a cow tongue that's already been cut out, right? So, you know, we, we can work from there. But I'm still giving you something. Now, how much they decide works from that, that's with them, through the universe. That's how that works. At least that's how that works for me. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's not a coincidence that the uh, Christianity, you know, one of the things that they tried to do was try to convert people and then destroy the books and destroy the temples because they knew it gave them power. It, when you people believe 
in the gods and goddesses and all these other deities, it gave them power. So what's the best way to take away that power is to make them stop believing. Um, the why do people go for gods and not to the source directly? Well, and this is just my personal belief on it, is all of source is not source is everything, you know. Um, so the deities, even the f things like the Fae or basically anything, is part of Source. It's just a part of that creation, right? And it's how you use it. It's like, in a way, and this is one of the things that I learned. I'll tell you why I it was important for me to have deities and to be able to call them specifically by their names one to give them power right the second is when you say source when you say you're calling upon the source or all that is you're literally calling all that is the good the bad the light the shadow and so as malice was just saying you're digging into the bowl and you're not being specific exact on exactly what it is that you're taking out. So that is why, you know, and, and they say the, you, you never give the Fae your full name because it gives them power. It'll t give them power over you. You have to be careful with, you have to name your intention and you have to put a limit. You have to put a boundary. This is what I mean. This is what I want. This is what can enter. This is what cannot. And so having that name and invoking them by name and, and really specifying your intention and what you expect rather than just using such a blanket statement as the source is really important because you're, the source is everything, right? So what exactly are you pulling out when you say and you're invoking a spell for something and you're asking, I would like source to help me? Well, not all that is is going to help you with a meany little spell. You have to be specific. And if you're not specific, it's just going to throw up something, whatever, whatever is there to help you. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Think about it in kind of terms of hierarchy, right? Um, so... If you think about it in terms of hierarchy, there's angels, there's demons, there's deities, and then beyond deities is something that, to be quite honest, as human beings, we can't really comprehend it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so if there is something beyond what we consider the source, which is everything in existence that we know of, um, we don't know what that is. Right, mm -hmm. and that's beyond the concept or idea of God. Now, that's now think about that for alien. a second. E exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I've I've seen some stuff on that. Uh, but um, you know, if you think about it, think about this concept. So we understand the 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 somewhat fathomable idea of God, right? God being the all creator, right? The monotheistic Christian Catholic God. I think most of us can relate to this idea because most of us at some point have been taught this idea. So we, we have this understanding that God created everything and God is in control of everything and can make anything happen. So we're talking about somebody that has that kind of power, right? Now think of something beyond God, something more powerful than God. 
try to try just honestly, like for a second, try to actually fathom that. I'll bet you any amount of money you can't. Because going beyond all creation, what can you do? Right? So beyond a source, we don't know if or what is behind that. One. And two, the deities, the angels, the demons, and the fae are within the hierarchy of what has been given to us to work with. And this is why they're fallible. Because think of the deities as superheroes, right? So if you think about the X-Men, right? Each, each X, X-Men or X-Man or X-Woman or whatever you want to call it, right? had a certain ability, right? So Storm had a power over, you know, the weather and things like that. Jean Grey was capable of, you know, reading people's minds, as was Professor X. Um, you know, Wolverine was able to heal and was very angry. Wolverine is the embodiment of Ares, okay? Think about it for a second, okay? That's what Wolverine is. Wolverine from the X-Men, he's the embodiment of Ares, okay? He's the god of war, right? So... If, if, if you think about that, if you think about the deities in terms of like superheroes that you can contact, think if you could call Wolverine up on the phone and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go to Afghanistan because I just joined the military and you know what, I, I need some back, I need some backup, right? Think, think about it that way, right? Think, think that you had, Wolverine's a real person, you can call Wolverine up and he can join you going into Afghanistan. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about working with deities, Right? Okay, is they are beings, entities, whatever you'd like to label them, that we're able to contact and ask for assistance in particular things, right? Specific things, which is why we always have to be specific, which is why the Dijin exist. For those that don't want to be specific, to teach a lesson by example, when you just start demanding things, bad things happen. Right? So that's the best way I know how to explain in very basic terms of how it works with the deities. They're superheroes that you can call up and ask for backup. But after they give you backup, what are you going to give me in return? Right, because like think about it, you know, Wolverine goes into war with you. He stands in front of you, gets shot fifteen times, so you don't die. Man's gonna want something. At least he's gonna want at least a good steak dinner, right? You know, mm -hmm. like you know, for for taking a few bullets for you. So, mm -hmm. what are you gonna give? That's that's how I know how to explain it. Uh, why not use it and become a god? I mean, like use use source don't work that way our bodies aren't built that way think of it this way so i got an answer for that one too <laughs> so the soul is a battery right so i'm there are some people that believe that like when you die and you come back in reincarnation right um that you can come back as like a fly or you can come back as you know a dolphin or something i i don't i don't believe in that i think when you die and your battery gets put into another vessel Right? It's the same vessel that, you are, you're, that you're already in. You're going to be another human. Why do I think that? Think of it this way. Let's use the fly in a human being as an example. Let's say the fly is a toy that needs a AAA battery. And the human is a toy that needs two AA batteries. 
you are not going to try to stick two AA batteries inside of a toy that requires one AAA battery. It's not going to do it. One, it won't fit. And two, it's just, it's just too much power for it, right? And you're not going to try to stick one AAA battery into a toy that requires two AA's because, one, it's just going to be too much space. It's going to fall in there and nothing's going to happen. It's not going to power it. That is how the soul works. The soul is just a battery. Right? When you die, everybody's got a part of it correct, right? And here's the scary part for most people. When you die, that's it. That, that's it for this life, for these memories, for these people. That's it. You're done. Are you coming back? Yeah, you're coming back. Are you going to have kind of leftovers in the background that might come back once in a while? Like deja vu? It's going to happen, but it's no longer actually part of you. You're starting over. How many times that happens, I don't know. But it could be eternally because, like we said, we understand that, scientifically speaking, energy doesn't die. It, it doesn't dissipate. It only changes form, right? We understand that part scientifically. It's like electrical lines outside of your house. The electricity is there. It's right outside. You flip your light on, boom, there's light. Turn it off, boom, it's off. The electricity didn't go away, it's still there, it just changed forms, right? So, yeah, you know, that's... And I'd like to, I'd like to add on to that. Yeah. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that it's not impossible to become a god, but I would think you would have to earn that right. You know, you would have to do a lot of, a lot of things, because... If, you know, if you think of, like, Jesus and, like, what he had to do just to become <laughs> Jesus. Prophet. Yeah. I imagine the kind of work you would have to do to become a god. So, you know, I mean, it, in theory, it's not impossible, but I think that it's a lot of work to, to get there. Yeah, I think I think you'd have to. I, I don't want to say that it's impossible. Highly unlikely, definitely. Um, I, I don't. I don't think we have enough focus, mm -hmm. like through different lives, to actually do that. To be honest, because every time we come through here, we we come through in the same. You know dysfunctional meat sack that we did the last time you know <laughs> to be completely honest and we go through the same stupid stages that we always go through the infancy the trying to learn how to walk and talk again you know we waste so much so much of our time learning about the basics that you know we don't have enough time to actually really dive far deep enough to really begin to understand what it is that we would have to do to get that far down the line I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, unless, of course, like, I mean, you figured out a way that you can live to be about 500 years old. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, and now I, I feel like there's definitely a way to, like, stay. I'm in a lot. I'm really into past lives. Um, I've always been into past lives. And one of the things that I learned is you, and this is from Anubis, too. It's 
yeah, you, you can live multiple lives, but they're not necessarily past lives. And this is going to like a different territory, which I won't go into, but the territory of like the meaning of time and how it doesn't actually exist. But, you know, the intention of the soul is always to evolve, to become better, to expand more and more. You know, there's a reason why the universe is always expanding, because that's the only that's the only way to do it is to continually grow. Um, but I don't think that the intention is to become a god. It's just in a way to just go back to source to bring back to source and allow the expansion to continue right it's like the best way i can explain it is to you're gathering things and bringing it back to for the betterment of the whole for the source and again i won't go too much into that because I, you know, I like, I, this, that, this is the kind of stuff I studied before I worked with deities, <clears throat> but it's, goddess is such a, god and goddesses is very much a human thing. It's not the overall truth. It's just, it's a human made thing, to be perfectly frank with you. It's, it's an extension of a power and it's a, a, purpose is to focus that power for an intention or for a result but it's not the um it's not the goal or it, i don't want to say it's not the underlying truth of beingness you know so that's probably why because it's pointless <laughs> yeah i would i would agree i think i think becoming a god doesn't really I, it, it, it's it could be a conscious effort of yourself but it's not something that i think your soul would carry on to the next life um you know I, and to answer your question on godly yeah i think that gods are gods from the start i mean the and look what uh shemi said you know the concept of gods and goddesses is a human-made thing right you know, it, it, it goes, what we're working with, like we use the only terms that we have available to us to actually talk about it, right? I mean, it's like we, we can't invent, I mean, technically we could invent an entire language for it, but like that's too much work and I'm too lazy. Um, but, you know, like we, we already have these things to our disposable, disposable, disposal, everybody understands it. Everybody knows, you know, what we're talking about. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't think there's really a reason to go beyond it, right? I mean, but yeah, gods and goddesses are human, human-made concept. The same thing with like the whole concept of what Satan is. Everybody wants to create kind of like this concept of good and evil. And though, yes, good and evil does exist, um, it, it's very much in the intention. Because I'll give you an example. Right? I'll give you a moral example, right? So for those of you that don't know, um, I have a bachelor's degree in philosophy, so we're gonna have some fun right now. Um, so let's talk about morality, ethics, right? So we know that by law, legality, legally speaking, that stealing is wrong, right? So to go in and steal something is incorrect, right? Regardless, right? Of the reasoning behind it in the eyes of the law. It does not look at circumstance or situation. It looks at the act, right? 
So we know that the act is illegal and it is wrong to steal something. And I use theft only because theft is like the easiest one to come up with a moral exception, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a family and it's wartime. Let's say you live in a country and it's wartime. There's no jobs. Your city's in a shambles, right? Things are burning. People are screaming and your family is hungry. Your, your, your child hasn't eaten in two, three days. Neither has your wife or husband, right? You yourself haven't eaten in a couple of days. All of you are starving. You find one store that's still open, one single store, and you go in and you steal a loaf of bread to feed your family. Now, in the eyes of the law, that act is illegal and wrong. But morally speaking, most people could draw an exception because of the morality behind it. We're not stealing for personal gain or because it's easy to do. We're stealing because of necessity. Now, here's the thing. Because you think that it is morally correct to do that, does it make it correct? Or is it still wrong? Because the way that we understand things is that it can't be both. It can't be wrong and correct at the same time. It's either one or the other. So which is it? Is it correct or is it wrong? What if it just is? You know, what if it just is what it is? Well, see, that's the thing. So the idea here is we say we say that it can't be both, right? But who's to say that it can't, right? Oh. So the, the, the concept of the idea, the, the, the catch-22 is the idea that people say that it can't be both. It's either right or it's wrong. It's wrong to steal or it's right to steal, but you can't make exceptions to something like that. It would be, for example, another exception you could make, for example, is murder, right? That somebody breaks into your house with a weapon, um, they are threatening to harm you and your family, and you find an opportunity, you kill that person, right? Your life and their family's life was being threatened. Your, you, the end of your life was in front of you. You found an opportunity, you took advantage, and you protected yourself. Now, inside of the law, because of that circumstance, we would draw an exception and say it was reasonable to defend yourself in such a way. Therefore, why is it that, morally speaking, we can't draw that same exception with, that, that same exception with theft if we can draw it with murder? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and from, from what I'm hearing, a lot of it has to do with perception because to going back to the thief thievery right to the person that's stealing it was necessary and in that mm -hmm. way it, it was right but to the exactly. person getting stolen from not so much you mm -hmm. know he in his eyes he, he could have been like well you could have asked me instead of stealing you know stuff mm -hmm. like that and so i i and this goes back to uh, action, intent, and consequence is everything. Exactly. Is consequence. There's no really, to me anyway, there's no such thing as really right or wrong. It's just the word that you use. So if I say, well, that's wrong, I'm saying what I'm really saying, that's wrong to me. Mm -hmm. For my perception, from my point of view, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Um, and when it, when I say it's, that's right, again, from my perception, from my experience, that's right. But mm -hmm. I can't say that for everyone else. But see, what, what, what it comes down to, so this is where people get into conf like confusing. The reason I'm drawing these comparisons, I know we're talking about paganism, and there's a reason I'm drawing these mm -hmm. comparisons, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm drawing these comparisons because I'm trying to sh make a point of how limited our spectrum of understanding actually is, right? To what could be or what couldn't be reality, right? So there are some out there that would argue that based off of that idea about saying that there is moral exception to um, murder, there is moral exception to theft, what about other crimes? What about more extreme crimes? Things that I really don't want to actually say out loud, but I think we have all like, the ideas in our heads, right, of things that people do that are illegal that can hurt other people, right? At what point, where do we stop drawing the moral exceptions? And who creates the moral exception, right? To more morality is based off of the individual. What do you find morally correct and what I find morally correct may be very different. So based off of that idea, if we're drawing moral exceptions, where do we stop drawing moral exceptions? Where do the absolutes come in? So and who the, gets the, to decide that, right? Exactly. Who gets to decide where the moral exceptions exist and where they don't? So our true understanding of the, our world is so unbelievably limited because we have limited ourselves within our own understanding of the world that we live in day to day. Forget about the spiritual stuff. We don't, we can't even understand why we wake up in the morning. Okay. L let alone why we can't be a God or can be a God or who we're working with or who we're not working with. Right. So to try to go beyond that point to try to dive yourself into something that nobody understands. Mm -hmm. um, you do it at your own peril, I would say. Because I think that I've kind of just proven the point that we kind of can't even really fully understand our own moral standing, right? Mm -hmm. where, where, where are your morals? Where do they lie? Do you even have morals? Some would say yes. Okay, what are they? Where did they come from? How are they defined? Okay. And those are difficult questions to answer for most people. When you really sit back and you really begin to examine those questions, it's going to take some time to actually get to the dirt of it. So when you start talking about dealing with sources, when you start talking about dealing, becoming a god things like that, I would say your best bet is probably not to meddle, right? I'll give you guys uh, an example here. I made a mistake yesterday. For example, I was doing a reading. I was doing readings yesterday. And uh, a friend of mine, a very close personal friend of mine, asked for a reading. Um, and for those of you who are there, like you know who he is. And he wanted a reading about an ex that had passed away. And I've been doing this, for those of you that don't know, I've been doing this for a little more than 20 years. I've been, I've been doing this. I've been, I've been working in the occult and 
um, witchcraft and divination for a little over 20 years. And even with 20 years of experience, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I thought that I didn't need to, I offered, I offered to contact his, his dead ex. And I honestly, with all my year, I got arrogant, right? Um, with all of my years of experience, I thought I don't need to draw a circle. I don't need to, you know, do this or that, or, you know, in, in, invoke anything for protection. I mean, I've got my little, you know, my dragon protector right here, you know, mm-hmm. um, which was obviously never designed to handle that kind of energy. And uh, I, I made contact. I, I made contact with something. I can't tell you whether or not it was her or not, but it definitely had a conversation with my my friend. But when whatever it was let go, I felt it. I could feel it let go. It was almost like I could breathe again. I felt like I was holding my breath the entire time. It was like being underwater. And then I could breathe again. But when I started, when I could breathe, I, I could feel the weight of whatever it was was still there, right? It was still kind of attached or part of it was still attached. Mm-hmm. And um, it was scary. Like for the first time in I would say 15 years, out of the 20 plus years I've been doing this, I was actually scared again. I was actually, I didn't know what it was that I drudged up. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing was is that, you know, there was somebody here that, you know, did um, what is con- what is considered popularly known as a Mexican egg cleaning, cleansing, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a couple of those. Um, and I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I, I didn't even think of taking a picture. The first egg came out black. Black. Whoa. The first egg came out completely and utterly black. I didn't even think of, and this is why I did two of them. And I didn't even think to take a picture. Like, I, like, honestly, like, when you see something like that, you're just kind of like, um, okay, now what? The second one came out clean. So it didn't go past that. So I'm fine. But I scared the shit out of myself because mm-hmm. I got arrogant. Because I thought that I was more powerful because of the years of experience that I have doing that, doing this, that I didn't need the necessary protections. Now, I got lucky that whatever it was cleaned off with an egg. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that understand, a Mexican egg cleansing is like the lowest form of cleansing that you can do. Like if you got some bad shit, it's not going to do anything. I was Mm -hmm. lucky that it was still just attached to the surface. So I think the the, the moral, (laughs) coming back into morals here, like the, uh, the moral lesson here is... Don't try to go for too much. Don't bite off more than you can actually chew. Always try to go a little bit less of what you think you can actually do. Hmm. Interesting, because I, I, you know, I do tarot readings as well. And sometimes I do get questions like that. You know, my, uh, you know, mother passed away. I'd like to contact her. And I actually had one of those on stream. Now I work with Anubis. Now before hmm. Anubis... I was dumb. <laughs> I would be like, oh, yeah, sure, I could totally do that. 
did I hopefully attract the right entity? I, I hope so. Now that I work closely with my deity, specifically Anubis, who protects the dead, he is very, I no longer talk to people who have passed away directly unless he is basically there. So there have been times when somebody has asked me, hey, I had someone pass away. Can, I, can you contact them and make sure they're okay? And I had Anubis say, no, you cannot. You cannot. And he will be very firm, like, they're not ready. They're, they're, there's, a, there's a line of, there's a reason where people say, you know, don't disturb the dead. Mm-hmm. Because when they're in the afterlife, they, they have to process everything that they've just gone through. And especially if they died a certain way or they had a lot of traumatic experiences, you need to give them time to process it. You know, death is, no matter the soul, no matter how many times we've come back here, it still can be a very traumatic thing because you've lived, especially if you've lived your entire life, not really believing that, you know, uh, afterlife exists to begin with. When you go there, you have work to do. And so when Anubis comes through and says, tells me like, no, you can't, like you cannot talk to them like whatsoever. I have to tell them like, the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> I can't, I can't contact your friend. If they mm-hmm. do, it's usually Anubis, the one that tells me this is what you can tell them. Um, but I had one incident where I was reading for someone, a viewer who wanted to know, like, just are they okay? Like they didn't have a funeral. And he's like, as he's like, it's fine. And then he kept asking questions. And Anubis was like, was actually very stern. Like, those are stupid questions to go and disturb someone who passed away, you know? And so that's when you realize when Anubis tells you, like, those are stupid questions, it usually means you're being selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're only asking those questions for yourself not because someone passed away. And that usually means you have to do your own grieving process mm-hmm. um, and and not disturb someone, you know? Yeah, generally speaking, I mean, that's how it's supposed to work anyway, is like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be able to say the things that you need to say while the person is alive. Um, if you don't do that, then you can try to blame anyone else in the world, but at the end of the day it's going to be your fault for not stepping forward and saying the things that you wanted to say. Also, I wanted to address uh, DigiDC. So um, with the, uh, the uh, Limpia de Huevo, um, which is the, the Mexican egg cleansing in Spanish, is the Limpia de Huevo. There's a reason why it's called the Limpia. Limpia is a cleaning, right? Um, go to any... Um, shaman shop here and trust me um the mexicans are very heavy into santa de muerte um there there's santa de muerte is everywhere down here the, the saint death is is down here everywhere um it's a mixture of what i would only describe as um kind of like udu and uh, uh what would be considered traditional dark witchcraft is what they would mention it as is what they would say Right, is Brujeria Negra. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so it, it, it's not just to see if you have negativity. It is, it is, it's a surface cleaning. So if you catch something soon enough, it will clean you. If you don't, then you have to go deeper. Um, By surface which, cleaning, do you mean like cleaning your spirit or your energy or? More like kind of like um, erratic, kind of like your aura, right? Mm. So before something gets to you, it has to go through your aura. And it's weird how the aura works because we always have auras a resemblance of something on the outside of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when we think about an aura, we think of it on the outside. And when we think about doing, for example, talking to the spirits, it goes directly inside of us, right? So that's kind of how we look at those particular types of things. But the aura does a lot more than just protect your outside. It's not like an eggshell that just goes around you. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it also protects the soul itself, right? It's something that goes from inside out. So yeah. when you channel something inside of you, you still have an opportunity to get rid of it if you act quickly. But nine times out of ten, we don't really pay attention to the feelings and things that come along with having something attached to you that shouldn't be there. So we kind of let it foster and fester until it really starts to begin to affect us. And we're like, wait, wait a minute, something's really fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and that's when you need, like, you know, go into, like, you know, full-on, like, rituals, like, you know, exorcisms believe it or not like the celts and the druids also um, also performed exorcisms to extract bad spirits or negativity that was attached to the soul um so it yeah it's 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 a whole thing right um but uh yeah living down here in mexico for the last i want to say almost like 10 years um, you, you definitely learn a thing or two, especially how they do things down here. Um, so, um, I actually never even knew about Olympia de Huevo, like before living here, right? I didn't know you could use, I would have never thought in a million years to use a kitchen egg, right? To clean myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it would have never occurred to me. But, you know, it's it's something that you kind of, you know, you learn learn along the way. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that you can use it to clean yourself, but it is a very, it's not a very profound and deep cleansing, right? Which is another reason why I did two passes, and which is why the first one came out completely black. Because mm-hmm. whatever was attached to me went into the egg, right? Mm-hmm. And the way we test that is we grab there's a glass of water you break the egg and you dump it in the water after you do the cleaning to see generally speaking um the brujo or the the witch the the it's like it could be man or woman will actually read the lines that come off of the egg in the water right mm-hmm. um and tell you what it is that's attached to you and then tell you what the next steps are. Or if it's on the surface, when they crack it, it'll come out discolored, right? Nine times out of 10, you're probably looking at something more like a brownish color, more like a blood color, like a dried blood color. Um, I've only ever seen, that was the third time in 10 years that I've ever seen a black egg come out um, of a freshly bought um, 
you know uh so yeah it's uh definitely interesting like uh the, well, the next the sh- time next time you know better <laughs> yeah exactly exactly no there's actually you can ask my chat like i've gone um like my my community um, today I've went on to Amazon and I'm looking for specific things to actually build a proper altar, even when I'm doing um, readings. So I have everything done in full out. I, I know how to do it. It's not that I don't know how to do it. It's just I got arrogant. I thought that yeah. I could do it without it, right? Um, I mean, I'm the guy that has salt in, on my windows, rock salt. Okay, Mm -hmm. on my balcony and my windows, I have rock salt. And that's because there are particular demons that like to come into your house through the windows because the windows don't require an invitation. The door requires an invitation, which is another reason why a lot of cultures close the windows at night when you go to sleep. Because of the bugs, but because things can come in through the windows that you don't want to. Like fairies? Mm, Fairies or other things that are slightly more... Malicious. (laughs) Malicious. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely. So, uh, wow. Uh, we, we covered a lot. We did. We did. This, this, was, this was definitely fun. Chat, do you guys have any questions at all? Like, I'd like to take a couple of minutes to get to questions in the chat if you guys have anything. You know what's funny about chat is they'll ask you questions like when you're talking, and then when you ask them to ask questions, nobody says anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to tell you a funny little story since we're waiting for chat to ask. So, you know, I had reached out to you about the Fae. That you know, protecting your home and they're super sweet little guys, right? Oh, yes, they are. I made one little mistake. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I made one little mistake. I offered them milk and I said, and then I I said, thank you. (laughs) And then as soon as they said that, they're like, um, that's not enough milk. (laughs) So thankfully, you know, afterwards I offered them milk and then they left, but yeah. Uh, uh, like <laughs> uh, the the Fae have a habit of. You would think that whatever you offer them, you it would be a dainty, dainty amount that they would want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, never, 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 never. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was funny that you mentioned to never give the Fae your full name. It's something mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know that. Um. Let's see, what do we got in the chat? What do we got going on in here? Mine goes blank. I figured, Digi. It's okay. <laughs> uh, love this. I have been practicing 25 plus years and I have similar ideas, but questions for me have to be more organic. Okay. Um, love the philosophy plus witch plus plague and plus everything else. I mean, there's, there's a lot to it, right? Like, when, when you learn one thing, then you realize there's so many other things. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, it can be really overwhelming. Um, I can which, be. which is one of, the, yeah, one of the reasons why I kind of stayed away from, like, spells and stuff like that is because I knew there was so much of it that I didn't understand. So I was always kind of very, I'm like an, overly cautious person and it was probably also Athena trying to protect me because 
I was young at the time and I didn't really understand all of that stuff, right? Which, thank goodness, I decided to listen to her. Right. You did get one, let's see. Avgrun John? Spell work without spirit guides involved. Thoughts. Hmm. You want to take that one? No, I'm going to let you because I'm interested in this, what your answer to that is. So I think most people start um, doing spells without spirit guides. Most people begin the path without realizing, you know, full well everything that they should probably have um, to kind of get them through the way. Now, spirit guides specifically, mm, believe it or not, not many no, people no, actually. What do, you, what do you mean by spirit guides? Me or John? Uh, John. Okay, that's also true. Yeah, because spirit guide can be a lot of things. Like, I look at my familiar as a spirit guide, right? You know, I mean, so it depends on how you define spirit guide as well. So that is another thing. Yeah, so. So let's wait for that one. Then we've got, let's see, Tug. Let's see, Malice had told me in a reading I would be a powerful witch, but I am so darn scared to get started because I don't understand so much. Learn. Learn. That's the biggest thing I could say. Just keep learning. Things like this, books, online. But the biggest thing, talk to people. Find people that are witches, people that have been practicing for a while, and talk to them. Like, there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to cover with a person that you're not going to be able to cover from a book. A book reads like a textbook. It gives you step-by-step -step on how to do certain things. But tell me this, people. How many, how many books have you read over the last let's say five years, okay, that were beginner's guides, not the ones that get dived deeper from actual reputable authors, but beginner's guides that talk about working with deities, how to invoke a deity, how to properly work with a deity that you need to give an offering, or even mention the slightest bit of blood magic, right? Most of them will actually tell you that blood magic is not necessary that you don't have to do these things, that this is just something that the media has cocked up to scare you. <laughs> so learn as much as you can from the people that you can. Now, Doc Archibald, with 20, 20 years of experience in witchcraft, what's something you'd recommend to someone interested in getting into spell work? Oh, I'd like to know this too, since I'm getting into that stuff. So, spell work, I've been doing spell work probably as long as I've been doing this. Um, I started doing spells with my tarot deck when I was younger. Um, so, I literally started using, I used my tarot deck as a channel, right? Um, to kind of increase my energy and provide me more focus. I think when it comes to spell work, focus is the biggest thing, which is why you see a lot of people like you might watch a movie or something and think it's absolutely freaking ridiculous to see all the candles and the altar and all of these things. And, you know, but all of those things are designed to give focus. Right. So in order to truly affect change, which is essentially what we're doing um, when we do spell work you need to be completely focused on the goal that you have in mind. 
throughout the ritual, throughout the spell, and beyond, beyond that. Um, I'm not a big fan of mojo bags, but that's definitely another good way to get started. Like a mojo bag is, you know, a very basic kind of spell work that you can do. Um, you can, if you know anything about breathing life into the herbs that you're working with, um, if you're aware of like any type of kind of folk herbalism, um, is a very good base to start with when it comes to spell work. It doesn't really require any deities or anything like that because you're working directly with the earth um, mm. and not really adding much to it. Um, so um, mojo bags for different reasons are a good way to do it. But then, I mean, your pockets get really full really fast if you do that too often. Um, <laughs> trust me, I know. <laughs> um, so... You know, there, there's that part of it. But if you're going to just starting out with spell work, then yeah, I'd go with mojo bags and work your way up from there. Use something to anchor you and make sure you have your focus. Don't make sure you have no distractions. That's what I would say with that. What um, do you mean by something to anchor you? So the human spirit is a, a fleeting thing. Um, and I've never seen it happen, but I've heard of it happening where people get into doing a spell or they get, they just get really into what it is that they're doing and they do have the focus, but they have too much focus and they don't come back from it. So instead of drawing into them, they draw themselves out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So always make sure you have something to anchor you, something that reminds you of where you are, where you're placed, where your footing is, which is why doing a, most spell work is always preferably done if you can outdoors in bare feet mm. on the ground. Oh, okay. um, now that's real earthy witch kind of thing. Like, I mean, some people either don't have access to that or can't do that or whatever. But, um, you know, it helps. Um, I know it's like, a, like I said, it's a really earthy thing, but, um, you know, uh, there's that part of it. Um, the door and window thing is interesting, considering the stuff in my house. There you go. Um, don't confuse chance for self-awareness and infusing intent into your witchy craft with actual spells. Use chance for self-awareness. I, I, you're you're going to provide a little bit more detail on that one, Mystic. I'm not sure where that one's going. Um, clearly is true. I learned my lesson. Okay. Three, what are your thoughts on love spells? Do you consider them unethical? If you're doing a love spell to get somebody's to notice you, that maybe otherwise hasn't. No, it's not unethical. Um, but then again, we kind of talked about morality and ethics, right? Like, um, what do you think? That, that's the my, biggest question. My two cents, if you don't mind me putting my two cents. Go for it. Go for it. I'm going to give you an answer that I always give when I do tarot readings about love. Let's try other alternatives first, you know, 
Because when you lean towards something like magic or spells to do something for you, that usually means you don't have enough confidence in yourself. So great, like find like a, a, a tiny little spell to help you that one time, right? Then you find that it works. And then you do it again. And you do something more. Because then you start using magic as a crutch. You start using spells as a crutch. When really, you what you need is to work on yourself. You need to build that self-confidence. Now, instead of doing a love spell to make someone notice you, how about, you know, in invoking Aphrodite to and making an offering to her to help you feel more, you know, self-loving? How about being more confident? How about that? Because that in the long term will help you, right? It's sort of that um, story about, you know, feed him in a fish, he eats for a day, but teach him how to fish and he's basically good for life. If you work on your self-confidence, if you work on the confidence knowing that of what, what do you want in yourself and what you want in a person, then that, again, that goes back to enchant. Even that is, to me, is a form of magic because you're taking your inner energy and you're turning it into something more that you can use and tap into all the time. No spell work needed, right? So love spells, great. But I mean, I always ask that should kind of be the last resort, in my opinion. Um, because usually when you involve another person, it just causes more problems, right? It's sort of like how when people start doing tarot or get reading tarot readings for the first time, they're like so enamored by how well it read them, then they'll start asking for more. And then when they ask for more, then more questions pop up and they ask for more. So it's like, you got to be careful to know your limit and not to be dependent on those things to help you. Because at the end of the day, you're still living life and you're still living your day-to-day life. And you need to be able to learn from that. And that's sort of, and I'm speaking from as if, because a lot of people in chat, especially in my chat, tend to ask about dark uh, gods. And they have this perception that if they work with a dark god, that somehow it'll protect them. When (laughs) the opposite is true, you know, Lucifer, let's, because we love using Lucy as an example. Uh, Lucifer will show you again your shadow. So if you have an issue with self-confidence, if you have an issue with relationships um, where you've bended, you know, bent yourself backwards just to please someone, um, he's going to show that to you because he's going to like, you need to work on that. This is what I'm here for. What do you want me to, am I going to be your slave? Like Lucy isn't going to be your slave. Uh, to, <laughs> yeah, you know, to put her around like do this and do this like you got to take that dude seriously he means work and i think again including love spells and any spells you have to give something in return so the question Mm -hmm. is what are you willing to give and that's where the blood comes in 
yes that's what that's what i'm saying like why not just ask aphrodite for help to be more self-confident so that you can talk to this person or to you know um have be in better relationships rather mm -hmm. than yeah and, they, it's a, and that's also an important thing right there about the whole offering thing as well like the gravity of the offering depends on the gravity of what you're asking so mm -hmm. if you're asking to work on yourself then the offering is not going to be so grave because it's you right it's mm -hmm. yourself but if you're asking a deity to literally change the perception and idea that is inside someone else's head to your favor you best be ready yeah. to yeah you best be ready to spill that. some blood um that's impeding on free will mm -hmm. right. exactly and deities will do it they will do it i'm not going to sit here and tell you they won't of course they will but you need to make sure that what you're giving is going to work. Otherwise, what they're going to take is going to be 10 times worse. Mm -hmm. um, let's see here. Um, um, there's so many good questions the, coming no. through. I want to answer Witchy's question because I had actually done an offering for Athena of alcohol. Uh, you don't eat the food. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. No, yeah, no, you don't eat the food. No, no. You don't eat the food. <laughs> no. I'll give you a good example. Um, so in Mexican culture, um, on November 2nd, um, is Dia de los Muertos. And uh, they have altars that they put food on. And it is said that if you eat the food, um, bad things will happen to you. Like the next 10 years of your life will be just like completely destroyed and wrecked. Um so, like, it's to be left there until it completely just lets go of itself, right? Um, so, let's see here. There's so many good questions. Hold on a second. Let me go through here because there's a couple more that you I saw. Don't eat the food, Sylvie. You don't eat the food because you're offering food and it's no longer yours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Whether it be spirits or gods. Like, don't. Um... um If the ground is lava, wow, okay, all right, Eileen she uh, <laughs> about me doing spell work outside in the ground. what if the ground is lava? Well, then you're not gonna be standing there at least not for very long anyway um, um let's see coming from ritualism, okay, um looking okay, uh. Archbold, looking back on your 20 years of experience, what's the number one thing you know now that you wish you'd known at the start? Oh, wow. And I actually, I know exactly what that is. I'm pretty sure most people probably have to think about it, but like, I know exactly what that is. Um, wording it is a different story, however. Um, I would have to say, as I was growing up, I was a very angry young man and I, I was very angry at the world and I was internally a very dark individual, which I always tried to externalize so it didn't eat me alive on the inside, which is why I went down the whole goth path and the makeup and the music and all that stuff. That's, you know, mundane at best, but, um, when I really started getting into this um, with what my mom, my mother was teaching me, 
was not to be afraid of myself. Now, when I say not to be afraid of myself, I'm not saying that I was afraid of my darkness. I was actually very at peace with my darkness. I, to this day, I'm very at peace with my darkness. I embrace my darkness. I wear it on my sleeve, if, if, if you can't tell. Um, you know, it's, it's just who I am. Um, but to not be afraid of myself means to also not, to not deny myself the lighter parts of me as well to understand my own balance. Um, that I, I felt so afraid that my mother's style of witchcraft would turn me into some type of, you know, happy, bubbly hippie that, you know, at the beginning I really didn't um, want to listen to her. I wanted to go directly into other, other directions, other routes. And... I sacrificed a lot of time that I had to learn many wonderful things. Um, being a jackass, basically. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, internally speaking, I would say don't be afraid of yourself, every part of you, right? Because every part of you is beautiful and every part of you has something to offer to yourself and those around you. And if you deny, you know, for any reason, a part of yourself, you're basically denying your own existence. Um, so that's something I wish I knew and understood mm -hmm. when I started out on this, this path. So hopefully that answered your question satisfactorily, Doc. Um, I just want to answer, I kind of answered Richie, but she was saying, um, you know, the food offering and she was her... She was, one of her goddesses that she's going to be working with is Hecate. Um, and she's saying because she was doing research. And um, so, so the people that are offering the food, she's like hailing Hecate, I'm eating this in her honor. That's not offering. That's not an offering. That's eating, that's eating food in honor of Hecate, which is two different things because it's similar to, you know, how you um split bread and act like it's Jesus's flesh kind of thing. So um I was already forgot what I was gonna say because <laughs> this that was pretty much what I was gonna say is um eating in honor of rather than offering. Because when you're offering you're saying this is a gift, but when you're eating in honor, it's yeah, it's similar to like acting as that is uh, her, it's it's a different kind of giving, but they're definitely not the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're very much separate, which I think is beautiful um, for Hecate to eat something in her honor. But again, it's it's about context. It's about context of because not all spells are created equal, and not all offerings and you know are created equal. But I was telling Wichi today because I was doing her reading that, and this seems very fitting because we were talking about this, is Hecate has a different set of standards that she would like to be worshipped, you know, because she is a dark goddess. So, and she is a goddess of magic. So her offerings and her gifts will revolve very highly around spell work. So I am glad that Witchy is doing her research. That's 
that's awesome and that's great and i think you know hecate will be very excited to work with her soon (laughs) so um john added context to what he was talking about about spirit guides he says as an umbrella term for gods ancestors angels demons the whole thing um, so spell work without a spirit guide in that terms. Um, look, to be completely honest, I mean, most witches start out that way. They're, they don't dive directly in most of the time looking for a deity or a spirit guide to help them with their spell work. You're going to be by far, you're going to have by far better results with a spirit guide. Um, you're going to be more focused on what it is that you're actually looking for, what you're trying to go for. Um, but you don't necessarily need it. Um, it's not something I would sit here and I'd be, well, don't do spells without a spirit guide. Um, you know, I was lucky because I had my mother, right? So for the bits that I did actually pay attention to that were actually interesting to me from everything that she taught me, you know, working with, you know, the Fae is how I started out. Right, and for those that actually understand what it's like to work with the Fae, working with the Fae is not easy. Um, and you know, I I started out with the Fae, and then from there, you know, then there's you know Lucifer, then you know there's you know Odin, and you know so on and so forth. And you know, a lot of the gods that I work with are about understanding the unseen and wisdom. I mean. Another perfect example of sacrifice, Odin gave his eye to for wisdom, okay? Right? I mean, that's what we're talking about when it comes to sacrifice. Like, the old gods, they weren't fucking around, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a game, right? It wasn't like, ooh, look, I'm doing fun things. No, it was like, you know, give me your foot. You know, that that's what it was, you know? It was... And nobody um, told him that by the way he made that a that exactly thing. like nobody gave him like the idea of, hey give up your eye no it was like here take it like now tell me what i want to know it was like, like like the people he was talking to were like fuck man all right cool um <laughs> you know that's that's what they're that's what they're looking for right that's the type of sacrifice that they're looking for so when we i want you guys to understand i can't speak for shemi but i can speak for myself when i talk about sacrifice when i talk about offerings I'm not talking about bullshit, okay? I'm I'm talking like actually giving up something that means to you, means something to you, okay? Um, if you really want something big to happen, right? Like little protection spells and things like that. Like I said, you can get off with like a, a heart or a tongue at the butcher shop. You know, you 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 can you can get away with that. You know, but if you really want something, you want to cause some like huge effective change you better be ready to sacrifice something that is going to leave a hole in you. Okay. Um, and it's just how things work. It's the, how, it's how life in the universe works. It's give and take, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, your entire life is give and take. You want, it's, our entire society is built on give and take. You give time, I give you money, right? From that money, you give that to money to somebody else. And now you have a place to live. Give and take, mm-hmm. sacrifice. Everybody wants more money in the bank, but you got to pay for things, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 how everything functions in the universe. It's not just because it's our simple, mindless understanding of it. 
It's because it's actually how it works. Look at nature. Nature works that way. Look, look, look at lions and, you know, animals. And look what happens when you give and give and give and give. You don't get anything in return. Mm-hmm, exactly. Right. Exactly. It affects you negatively, greatly, mm-hmm. heavily. You know, it, it's, it's understanding your nature as a human being, which is why I went down the path that I went down. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I'm dark or I'm bad or anything like that, but, you know, I work with deities that most other people probably don't want to work with. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at least at least on the offhand, right? The people aren't going to be jumping out of their skin to say, hey, yeah, let's work with this person. Like, who, who wants to, like, who says, like, uh, waking up in the morning, you know what, I want to work with the devil. You know, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> It, it it doesn't it, it doesn't really occur to most people until you understand how the balance works. Your intentions. My intentions aren't bad. Now, I'm gonna tell you something right now. Okay. You can believe and I, I I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this. I know I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this. The Wiccan Read is a beautiful document. But it's bullshit. Okay. Mm. Now the whole concept of obviously harm none, do what ye will, like you do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, all that stuff, that's, it's a good guideline, right? So people don't start doing stupid shit to other people. But the whole, for example, like what ye sends out comes back to thee, mind the, law, the rule of three, nothing comes back to you, good or bad. Karma is a thing, it is, but it's, it doesn't come back threefold or four. It comes back however the universe wants to send it back to you, right? Mm-hmm. You kick a dog on the street and the next thing you know, you lost your house in an earthquake. You know, it's however karma decides to make you pay the price, right? Because maybe, you know, karma doesn't work in the sense of where, you know, I kicked a dog in the street, and so now somebody's going to kick me. No, it doesn't work that way. Karma works in a way to give you an opportunity to work on yourself. Okay? So if you kick that dog on the street, maybe it's because you don't have enough sense, sensibility in your heart to understand the suffering of a smaller creature like this defenseless and, and, and smaller than yourself because of the position mm-hmm. that you're in, because you feel power. So you know what karma's going to do? Karma's going to strip that power away from you. So you can remember what it's like to be naked and cold. You know, that's what karma does, right? So do what you want. Just don't, don't be an asshole. Um, pretty much. That's, that's my thing. Um, let's see. Is there anything else in here? Uh, DC had another question. Did? Um, Buddhism with the offering of food? Ooh. I don't know. I don't know if they do anything similar. But I'm like honestly, I'm not too. I'm not very up up yeah. to scratch with my Buddhism. Um, I do think that there is something with food in there, but I'm not 100 percent certain. Hmm. See. Person who has been both white and dark, trying to keep a balance yet destroy himself. Hmm. You probably never heard of a person who is trying to keep a balance. I understand if that's a statement or a question. 
Uh, DC had an interesting one. Um, are witches and warlock a bloodline thing or something developed through from studying? So witchcraft, it's a craft. Um, are there people that are born into it? Yeah, there are people that are born into it. That doesn't necessarily make them more or less powerful than somebody else, right? Or vice versa. Somebody that isn't born into it, that's maybe born, I don't know, Catholic or Muslim, right? It doesn't necessarily, you know, make you less or more powerful. Um, witchcraft is a craft. It is something that you learn. It is something that you study. It is something that you practice, right? Um, you are doing a craft. You are creating something, right? You are learning how to create something. Um, magic isn't inherited. Magic is everywhere. Look outside your window right now. Look at the sky. Mm. Look at the moon, the stars, the rain falling down, okay? The way that the wind blows through the trees. All of that is magic. All of it. Okay? The way that... Yeah, you guys ever notice that right before it rains, trees tilt their leaves up, upwards, so that way the water that falls on the leaves falls directly towards the roots of the tree instead of getting stuck in the leaves? That's magic. Okay? A lot of people don't notice that. Like, a lot of people don't notice that the leaves turn right before it rains. So the trees will tell you when it's going to rain. That's how, like, a lot of people knew how it was going to rain in the past because the trees actually start to do that at least a good 20, 30 minutes before it starts to rain. So if you see leaves with their leaves turned over, it's going to start raining really soon. Um, so that's magic. That is the base of witchcraft. Now, again, warlock is a term that I don't like to use. Um, and honestly, the... The explanation Wikipedia is actually pretty good as to what warlock actually means. Uh, I'll pull that up and I'll actually read that to you um, really quick. Um, let's see. Warlock. Okay, so right here. So basically it says, the most common accepted etymology derives warlock from the old English, I can't, I'm not even going to try to say that word, uh, looks like warloga, meaning oathbreaker or deceiver, okay, and was given special application to the devil, right, in early mo modern, uh, by early modern Scots. Um, the word came to be used as the male equivalent of witch, which can be male or female, but has historically been used predominantly for females. Um, the association to the term oathbreaker, liar, or traitor was possibly associated with witches and wizards. Again, there's another term, wizards. I don't like wizards. It comes from fucking Hollywood. Um, in Scotland, as they were seen as someone who made a pact with Belud Orne, or the devil, um, and thus they betrayed the Christian faith and broke their baptismal vows. Um, so it became uh, romanticized later on with 20th century popular literature and culture and movies and Hollywood and things like that. But the base of the term comes from meaning oath breaker or deceiver by calling yourself a warlock. You are quite literally calling yourself a liar and a traitor. <laughs> oh, I never knew that. I never knew that. Um, so then if, if a warlock means oathbreakers, what does witch mean? Again, sorry. So, witch, that goes further back. 
Now, I know which Wicca derives the name Wicca from which, which comes from like a wick, in which in Latin means to bend or to manipulate, um, which comes from the term of manipulation, right? To change. Now, man manipulation in and of itself inherently isn't necessarily a bad thing, um, at least in my point of view, because we manipulate things all the time, right? Um, we manipulate wood to build houses. We manipulate, you know, the sun to grow crops and what have you in greenhouses. Um, now, I don't have it on hand. Um, the, the problem is, is that the word, the definition that is given nine times out of ten for which is they drag it out of modern definition, which is mm. a female sorceress or practic practitioner of magic. And as we know, um, that's not that's not what it hundred percent what it is. Um, let's see here: uh, female magician, sorceress, and later used special a um, women supposed to devil or evil spirits, and to be able by their cooperation to perform supernatural acts. That's the basically old school. Um, definition which still stands today which is absolutely horrible after so much like movement forward that's still the popular definition um, so of old English Wicca sorcerer wizard man who practices witchcraft I don't know why it says man or magic uh, verb Wiccan to practice witchcraft it's so I can't remember exactly where I where I got it from, but I do know that Wicca was based off of witch, and both of them are based off of the Latin term wick, which means to bend and to manipulate. Which is cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Which um, is, yeah. But I will find something that actually texts that out so you guys have a base to go off of instead of just some random talking head on the internet. Um, because I know how the internet is, and I know how, you know, we all want, you know, we want receipts, right? That's what we want. So I will find something that verifies that, and I will share it with you guys next time. Um, but I, that's basically my understanding of where witch comes from, the actual word witch and what it means, not the female magician sorceress, somebody that made a pact with the devil. No. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what else we got in here? Because we are... I was only going to do this for an hour and a half. We are at two hours and nine minutes, guys. No, but it, it's it's good though because it's something that people like. People want to know more, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cut people off when they still have questions coming in, or they want to have they want to say something, they want to say their piece. You know, I, I just want I, I want this to be a community thing, right? You know, I want people to kind of be. You know, I mean, having you on was great, right? Um, I would, I would not be objective of you being on every week, but that's up to you. As if that's like yeah, a thing you want to do. Yeah, I'd love to. Because I'm learning stuff too. Because we actually have, like, I'm so proud of this Pegan podcast. Like, I swear <laughs> gotta, to God, I would have thought. You got to trademark it now. <laughs> like, I would have thought somebody would have had that already, but no. <laughs> so, um. 
All right, let's see. Everybody knows about the big guys have. So, guys, if your questions, if your statements are really, really long, I'm kind of skipping over them because of the time restraint. So, I apologize. Don't hate me. Um, normally, I have no problem reading the really long ones, but. How do I tell a word locked in up? Huh. So wizard is just basically a Harry Potter thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wizard is just just a Harry Potter thing. Wizard is wizard is actually worse. I think. I mean, worse in some respects than warlock because warlock still has its place in history. Wizard is just you know, take out your magic wands, everybody, and say some random Latin words, which we were going to call an incantation. Okay, um, I have so. a question of my own. Okay. Uh, regarding spells. So, and I feel like this is probably a question that everyone could benefit from. Okay. How do you know? And and kind of like I I I know that we just talked about like things not necessarily being like dark and light, you know. Mm -hmm. But how would you know if the spell that you're trying to cast is going more into the darker stuff, you know? Like, what would be some telling signs, if any? Where well, first and foremost, first and foremost, your moral compass. Um, mm -hmm. So, what what your intention is? I, I always go back to intention. So, for example, let's say um, you want something to stop. Let's say you got somebody at work that's giving you shit, or somebody at school that's giving you shit, and somebody that's you know they're you just want them to stop, right? The first sign is the first thing is your emotions when you're doing the spell, because that is a that's a precursor to your intentions. So if you are doing a spell out of a place of animosity and hate, then the mm. then what is going to become of that is going to be negativity is going to be harm to that person, regardless of whether or not you're actually trying to harm that person. OK, I've seen people do freezer spells and kill people. Right. Mm. Um, like somebody was um, causing problems. His um, ex-wife was um, holding his kids back from him, stuff like that. He was pissed. So he did a simple freezer spell. He binder photo in um, black ribbon, put her in water and put her um, the, the, in a Gerber bottle and put it in the freezer. Mm. And generally speaking, that's a very simple binding spell. So the person can no longer harm you. It's a very, very simple, nonsensical binding spell. But because he did it from a place of hate and he blames himself for this, two days later, she got into a car accident. Her car flipped and fell into a lake. Um, now, you could say that that was coincidence, that it had nothing to do. One had nothing to do with the other. But mm -hmm. there comes a point where coincidence just, it's like, come on, man, really? I mean, you put her picture in water in a Gerber bottle, topped it off, and put it in the freezer. It was the middle of winter. She drove off of a, a turn on a hill and went into a lake. Mm. The parallels are ridiculous. Um, now, generally speaking, that type of binding spell doesn't do that. It binds, just binds the person from harming you but because the intention was from an aggressive angry 
position instead of a clear mind with a clear idea, things went horribly wrong. So the first thing to stop you from doing something negative is your emotional state when you're doing it. Mm, if you're angry... Intention is definitely everything. Yeah. If you're angry when you do something, expect it to go overboard. Expect it to go beyond what you actually wanted to happen. Always make mm. sure that when you're doing spell work that you are of clear and sound mind. You may be upset with someone, but you need to be able to differentiate and separate that from your spell work and be clear about what it is that you're doing and the intention that you're sending out of what you want this person to do or not do. Because if mm -hmm. you just do it, oh, you fucking bit that, 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 right? What do you think? What are you, what are you putting into that? Think about what you're putting into it, because what you put in is what comes out. Right? You're not putting, you know, I want you to, you know, stop, you know, keeping my children from me. I want you to stop ignoring my phone calls. You're not saying that. No, you're. Mm -hmm. Think of the difference. There's a reason um, where Native Americans, when they pick sage, they actually have certain people that pick the sage, and. Um, they say, oh, there's my, my, my familiar <laughs> kitty. Kitty, kitty. Um, they say, you know, when you're picking the sage, you have to think positive thoughts because that affects the sage itself mm -hmm. and um, how you're saging. So that's why I try not to buy sage um Unless I know, like, it's done ethically for mm -hmm. that reason. So it, I guess it doesn't just happen with spell work. It, it happens with a lot of things when you're using. Mm -hmm. It does. Um, yeah. Well, it does. I mean, think about, for example, properties from in the United States, the old southern properties um, that used to be plantations, right? And the people that lived on those plantations and the things that they went through and the things that they had to suffer and go through. And mm -hmm. those are some of the most haunted places that you can go to in the United States. Mm -hmm. Because of that type of energy that's there. What you put in is what you get out. Now, hauntings are residual energy. When an energy is very strong, like I said, people, we understand this. We started this from the beginning. Energy doesn't dissipate. It changes form. Right? Most ghosts aren't spirits that you can actually talk to. Most ghosts are imprinted energy that will not go away until the energy decides to change form or it changes form naturally. There's nothing you can do that's going to force it to change. There's none of this burying the body parts. There's none of this finding something that belongs. Like, you can try certain things, but I'm going to tell you right now, probably not going to work right explicit that's actually why i use that example i know that you lived on you live on an old plantation can we go right? a little bit deeper into that thing ghost thing uh -huh. uh, because i had done a reading for someone one of my viewers had said that she had a few ghosts in her house and she's like oh yeah you know and she wanted me to see uh what intentions this person had because she was starting to befriend them and i said when i was doing her reading I said, 
you know, I'm not going to lie, like you have to be careful with this because even though, you know, this ghost had been there Mm -hmm. for a while, the fact that you're building a relationship with them is going to change their intention. And in a way they can attach to you and you don't want that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had to warn her and and the same with anybody here, like you just going to leave them alone. Don't try to be friends with them. Because yeah. it's like Malice was saying, you, you, ch- they can change. Mm-hmm. And they can change by your intention and relationship exactly. to them. So, what, 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 so exactly. So what we're talking about, we're talking about imprinted energy, right? But we're talking about imprinted energy that kind of stands between the veil, right? And we, we know this from old ghost stories back in the day, which is, which is true, right? There is a veil. There is a separation between this world and then the other world, right? And with that... Um, what we're dealing with on this is generally speaking, most ghosts will just go through the motions and do their thing until they move forward, move on, on their own, right? Now, here's the, here's the kicker though, okay? In my experience, I have not met a ghost that I can actually talk to. And that's because if you're talking to it, it's not a ghost. It's something else. I have a story um, with that, but that's for another stream. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, so um, that's one thing to be mindful of. If you're actually having a conversation with the ghost in your house or have some type of connection with the ghost in your house, it's not a ghost because a ghost only wants to keep doing its life. A ghost, that aberration, that displaced energy still thinks it's alive which is why things start to move in the house. Like you'll always see like a specific door that moves, right? Or a specific mm-hmm. cabinet door that opens, right? Or it's like a projection that just plays over and over. Exactly, exactly. And that's why it's always the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens is, here's the funny thing. You start seeing a ghost, your mind opens, right? Mm-hmm. A door that was closed opens up in your mind. So when other things start to happen, it's not the ghost. It's something you let in. So you have to be very mindful of yourself and what it is that you're dealing with. Because if you're talking to it, it's not a ghost. You got to see what Cupcake just uh, said in chat. Hmm. Let's see. I need to stop this. He says they are communicating with him. Yeah, tell him to stop. Tell him to stop. Because the thing is, is if it's communicating with, it's not a ghost. You've gone beyond, you've, you, you've already gone beyond that one step. And if you keep communicating with it, I, I honestly, I'm not, I can't tell you what the intention is. I'm not there. That's something I have to be, somebody has to be there to tell you. Okay? But don't stop. Yeah. No. Uh, DC, I'm going to leave that to Malice. I prefer not to talk about because I have a particular thing because I work with deities and stuff. And I am, I am a vessel for deities. If I even say like a name, I have a tendency to invoke them. So, or even if I try to tap into it. So I'm going to leave that to Malice. <laughs> 
Um, and you can see if he knows what you're talking about, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> okay, let's see here. So it says, uh, do you know your demons? So I'm assuming, assuming your question by do you know your demons is not my personal demons, but demons in general. Demon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just wondering what kind visited me when I was three or four years old. Mixture of purple and green aura just being around them felt very heavy physically and spiritually. Lots of heat around them too. Basically physical touch was hot and painful. Three fingers, if I remember correctly, blackish cloak looking thing and greenish eye, um, singular, okay, with huge grin. It could speak too. Okay, um, so demonology is kind of a hobby of mine. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really big in the demonology, but equally with um, uh, Shemi, um, I don't say demons' names because when you say a demon's name, you do invoke it. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't know the name of the demon that you're describing. Um, I would have to go through the books that I have in my closet um, to figure out what it is you're talking about. It sounds familiar. Um, but I'm going to be honest. Um, it doesn't sound like a straightforward demon. Um, judging by the cloak and the fact that it could talk to you and the grin, um, it sounds like a djinn. Um so Dijin do have a habit of preying on children um, because of their naivety and their ignorance. It's very easy for a child to invoke them or become indebted to them. Um, so it's, it's a very common thing. Uh, so, but I'll look it up and I'll let you know. We can go over that next, the next, the next podcast. That sounds fair. How do you spell, how do you spell it? Dijin. I think I, I recognize that name from playing Witcher 3. <laughs> um, it, it's, used, it's used in Witcher. It is used in Witcher. It's actually used in a lot of different things. There's actually a movie called Jin, um, mm. which is based off of the Dijin. Which are old. Um, most of what we know about Dijin actually come from gypsies. Mm -hmm. um, was the most that we actually know about them because um, they were known for invoking them to take care of their enemies, to trick their enemies into um, asking for something um, that they truly wanted and ultimately killing them. Oh, yeah. So dark stuff. Uh, well, it's it, the thing is, is like Hollywood has generally made things very happy-go-lucky, and in a lot of ways. And I was talking about this the other day with with Odin. Somebody asked me like, how accurate is the Marvel Avengers version of Odin? I was like, pretty not fucking accurate. No, it's way the fuck off. Way it's the way I, off, they got the like so. they got the eye right. That was about it. <laughs> yes. They got the eye right, but they just painted him as this person who likes to wear gold and is somehow a lot more materialistic and greedy than he actually is. And they actually uh, made Odin in the MCU 
as far as the personality is concerned, a lot more like Zeus than um, any anything else. Like visually, it fit the general concoction that we understand as Odin, how Odin looked. But like the personality was significant. Like if you go through Greek mythology and read about the personality of Zeus, it was a lot more closely related to Zeus than it was to actually Odin. Um, they got, for example, most places, most people get Valhalla completely wrong. Um, first and foremost, Valhalla, for example, was only for men. There was no women in Valhalla. And two, you had to actually die in battle. It wasn't like you mm -hmm. died and you went to Valhalla. No, you actually had to die in a fight and be killed in order to go to Valhalla. If you didn't, then that's where the ferryman would take you, you know, to the other place. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so that's one thing a lot of people don't know, right? Like, so, like, when you see all these people, like, till Valhalla, right? Like, the new, like, the new Asatru and everything. It's like, um, so who's going to kill you? Because if nobody kills you, you're not going. Like it, the the rules don't change just because we don't do things that way anymore. You know, as as one thing that like we don't make up the rules. That's the one thing people don't understand is the rules haven't changed, guys. Like mm -hmm. the old rules haven't changed. Not they're not going to change because you want them to or because you believe they're going to. No, the rules stay the same. Now we can find ways to work within the rules because we live in a modern society, but. The rules don't change. The rules will always be the same. Keep keep that in mind. Yeah, the the Marvel stuff is mostly for entertainment purposes. Yeah, and it's a great yeah. movie. I love the Avengers. I love yeah. Thor. I think it's great, but it's completely inaccurate, especially because they make like Thor a bump bumbling buffoon in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like essentially, like Thor was one one of the most intelligent of the gods. The Norse gods, you know, the, the control of, of, you know, the, you know, his, his relationship with Poseidon, you know, the, uh, the sea and the storms and the lightning and, you know, <laughs> you know, so it's just, yeah, lots to go over guys. We've got a lot of episodes to come in the future. We've, this is the official start of the podcast. It's going to be a co-hosted podcast. So you're going to have the deal with the both of us every Saturday, which I think is going to be fun. Um, it's going to be both a learning experience and a teaching experience. Um, and thank you everyone for being here for the inaugural episode of this. Okay. Greatly appreciate it. Um, you got any final thoughts there, Shemi? Uh, it was so much fun. This is nice. I'm learning stuff too with spells and stuff. Maybe next time I'll come with my own questions for you. Rock on. I'm, I'm ready. I mean, for pretty much anything. <laughs> so um, we'll be in, I'll be in contact with you in the week um, to talk about the next episode, what we're going to be talking about, and to line it out. Okay? And don't worry, I'll handle all the uploading and all of that fun stuff. So, all right. I'm going to stay live, guys. Um, I am going to be playing some... I think it's Among Us with some friends that invited me to play. Um, I've never played the game. They bought me the game. No idea what it's about. So I'm going to be doing that with you guys after this. Um, so I'm going to hit my Be Right Back screen. And I'll be back in probably about 10, 15 minutes. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody, for coming. I greatly appreciate it.
Bye.